folks, and welcome to the first episode of the Rochester Indie Music Spotlight. I am very grateful that John Lewis, beloved entertainer and performer, and also known by the children's performer alter ego, Mr. Loops, is taking the time to talk to me today. I would say that he's joining me, but we're in his basement, so it's, it's, not, it's not quite like that. I'm, I'm talking to John today because he's releasing a new EP. This is the John Lewis Band. Yes. And this is Out to Lunch, uh, trademark, artwork, and everything. So, uh, for this show, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, John's kind of past life, I guess, the, the early life. Uh, from the hot- 1800s? Sure, we can talk from the... Man, <laughs> yeah. if you've been around for 300 years, 200 years... Well, that's I my would past love, life. Yeah. Yeah, I, would, I would love to hear about it. So... <laughs> So some of his early life, uh, we'll get into a little bit about his uh, professional uh, career as well, and then we're going to talk about the EP at the end. So before we get going, uh, his Out to Lunch is going to be digitally released, uh, the big two are iTunes and Spotify, on the 10th. And then before that, he's going to be having a listening party with him and a couple other bands, and then a big pre-release show evening before, so... That's pretty much it. John, yeah. how are you, man? A lot. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. This Thanks is, for joining me here. Oh, this is my pleasure. John and I uh, had talked for about five months ago, just kind of a general thing. Mr. Loops was uh, releasing a new a new EP then, so we're yes. joining him for the release this time. So one of the things that I think is impressive about you, and coincidentally a lot of other um, Rochester area artists... That you all are really good on social media, and something I've been noticing that you've been doing is you've been posting these pictures of yourself as a wee youngin. Yes, <laughs> in a myriad of different things, different poses, just doing different things. So I don't know. We didn't get too much of a chance to talk about this last time, but I kind of want to start with uh, the early life of John Lewis, and just cool. to preface this a little bit. Um, John went to school for film uh, videography and cinematography, and we'll talk about that. Um, and he kind of had a, a little bit more of a roundabout way of getting into music, but we didn't talk too much about your early life. So how did young John Lewis, if he did at all, cultivate his love of music? Oh, man. Well, it is it is a crazy story. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I was born in Kansas originally. I'm from Emporia, Kansas. And I moved to this area when I was about eight or nine. And my passion had always been video work. I have always just been uh, a movie maker, typically. And music came into <clears throat> my life more in like high school and post-high school. That's when I started to teach myself how to play guitar. And okay. I've always been writing songs or, or writing poetry, but it really didn't click for me as a musician until I was maybe 18 or 19 years old. And then not I didn't start performing until I was about 25. Yeah. Um, so I, I was a late bloomer getting into the scene a little bit. But yeah. That's just because I, I had always been doing video work and things like that in the past. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Music was always a passion of mine, and my brother had always played music. So I always kind of idolized his, you know, every time I'd see him play, I'd be like, oh, man, that's what I'd really like to be doing is performing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what I got myself into. It. I just taught myself how to play and then took old poems and songs and turned them into new things. I was gonna, th- This is probably the dream of every little kid 
is to be a rock star. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's to be a singer. And <laughs> I think even some younger musicians, and I, I can speak for myself on this, I think a lot of us, we, we talk about singing through our instruments. So Definitely. So, yeah, so for you, you mentioned that you looked up to your brother. So how, yeah, so how did that inform you as a musician you are today, kind of looking back as, as little little John <laughs> and, you know, saying to yourself, you know what, I... I really looked up to my brother. Do you hear your brother when you sing? When you sing, you listen back and you're like, oh, my brother did something like that. <laughs> How did that experience of looking up to your brother inform you when you were developing as a musician and now that you've kind of come into your own? It was always, and as a, I'm a baby, I'm the baby brother of uh, four. So whoa. I'm always been a copycat. I mean, that's yeah. what baby brothers are, is they look at their older brothers and they try to just emulate them in every way possible. And my brothers are super cool. So that was, my goal was just to try to be like them in a lot of ways, you know? And so I kind of stole music from him in that way um, and, and turned it into my own thing. But it was, uh, it was always inspirational to see how, how classically good he was. My brother, Joe, who played guitar, was just so intelligent and extremely good at his instrument. And I'm, I'm not a very good guitar player, even to this day. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a rhythm guitar player. I can't it's, solo. It's still something you work on, like that. Still, it's a, 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 as an artist, I think you've got to always have that mentality where it's there's always going to be a plateau. Someone out there is doing it better, so you've got to kind of like chase that dream always. But it was uh, it was always refreshing for me to see my brother Joe play because it made it look possible to me. And that was mm -hmm. the same thing that I felt when I started to go out to shows, more local shows, and see people doing it. That was before I played, I had kind of like Rochester music idol syndrome where I would I'd go out yeah. and I would see these people oh, speaking of social media. That people that is so real here. It's very that real. Is, that is an and it was just thing. as real for me. I mean, yeah. I I would I started to get on social media. And I was like, oh, man, look at these people out there. And, and they were yeah. like celebrities to me. I'd go out there and see them. And then there they were. They were playing. It was real people that that were doing what I was just starting to cultivate as my dream. And so um, that that's just as, as motivating when you mm -hmm. see peers out there, whether it's your brother or your family or somebody that you've, you've been like quietly stalking online <laughs> just because you're wondering how, how the heck are they doing this, you know, and... And that's when you realize it's possible. That's the most important thing that somebody who's doing it can do for somebody who's not doing it is show them that the only thing you got to do is get out there. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad or whatever. You're going to be bad for a long period of time. Yeah. And then suddenly you'll be a little bit better. Was, it, was, <laughs> was, this, was this the dream of little John? Or when you were, when you were younger, did you listen? Well, who did you listen to? And did you try to emulate them and then you know how much of this is you kind of channeling that younger person that all of us musicians have you say like you know when you were 12 and you first heard someone really amazing or those yeah. three or four artists that you always listen to how much of that for you now is reconciling this the younger kid and still trying to reach the plateaus you set and how much of this is you saying to yourself as an adult you know what man i know that i'm gonna have to work and I know I'm gonna have to be good how do you find a balance between those two I try to shut up the adult voice <laughs> the, the adult voice is a downer you know it's a continual yes, it bummer and everybody's got that and you've got to have that as a motivator but my my whole life is cultivated around maintaining the child you know that's yeah. that that's where all my music came from that's why my tangent into children's music right. came so naturally to me and that's why I've been able to make it go out of 
out of it as a career is because everything that I do is in a way to eliminate the walls that adulthood tends to build up around that that person that everybody was at one point. Yeah. And I wanted I want to do that because it's where I feel the best and also because I think some people out there really desperately don't believe that's possible and I want them desperately to believe that it's possible. One of the things we we talked about that just reminded me so much of this is in our first interview you're talking about adjusting this filter and understanding that you know what when i wrote a song about spaghetti i thought it was the coolest <laughs> thing ever and then when i listened to it i'm like this is not cool but yeah. then you you've had to <laughs> then it came and then there was a reason for it all of a sudden right but then you you had to look at that and like you know what there are some cool parts about this like right. are these lyrics silly absolutely <laughs> yeah. but the music is still good so is is I mean is Thank this you. is this the goal of of John Lewis not and well we know we know about Mr. Loops and so we'll talk more about the John Lewis band but is, is this the goal of John Lewis as a musician to bring your inner child out and keep him there and do the same for the audience totally absolutely in a in a huge way that is what it is you know there's a fine there's a vague line between who Mr. Loops is and right. who John Lewis is as a musician because they both have the same goals they're just different audiences mm-hmm. so i although i have sort of different intentions for the music where with children's music my goal is to be you know educational at the same time as help like childhood development whereas my like my singer songwriter my John Lewis band persona <laughs> is more of like uh, a a true way to communicate emotions and things that I've gone through. But that's in the end, that's to get through to both audiences in the same way. Yeah. You know, it's just to teach people that it's okay to, to feel vulnerable and to feel happy and sad and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a fine line before I was Mr. Loops. I was writing songs about like chocolate milk yeah. and like, and what it was like to feel like a kid. And when I look back, I'm like, man, those are just Mr. Loop songs before I realized they were Mr. Loop yeah. songs. As a songwriter, you can't like put yourself into a into a hole or a, you can't have tunnel vision. You can't think. All of my songs are for this purpose. For me, personally, I'm going to write songs that are going to be for so many different reasons. Maybe it's going to be for a kid song. Maybe it's just for a sketch comedy or for a video. Maybe it's for my band or maybe it's for my acoustic folk singer-songwriter uh, stuff. Or maybe it's none of those. Maybe I'm writing a song that I'm going to give to someone else, someone else and have them do the rest with it. You know, there's a lot of different reasons to write music. And that's what I've learned over the last couple of years is that I can't have like a specific intention. I got to just write whatever comes out will find its place in the end. Um, but that you can't put up walls or try to block any of those ideas from coming out just because you think, oh, this won't go anywhere. This doesn't have a reason. I try to eliminate that adult voice as much as possible and just produce and see what comes out and take each of each idea as far as I can. Take my hand and feel the lines that reconnect us. Match them up with my knuckles. Kiss each one. Now moving on to the John Lewis band, something that you... This is an interesting process because for me as a writer, and I think maybe... For other writers, I'm just I'm just gonna speak more to jazz writers. If someone asks you to do something, you're writing for a big band, or you're writing for a small group, or you're writing for a singer, and this is that is the purpose-driven approach. That is the exact opposite thing that you're talking about. So for me, it's interesting 
to hear you discuss, I just have to make stuff and then sort through it later. But how do you find a balance between Mr. Loops, John Lewis, the, the solo guy, and then John Lewis, the front man for a band? Because I mean, those are those are three really different things. Definitely. So how, Very different. And you, that's the strength of them, I think, is their, is their differences. That's what kind of makes it easy for me to identify where each one belongs a little bit. Okay. Usually there's a little bit of a blurred line between like acoustic singer-songwriter stuff and Mr. Loop stuff. Mm-hmm. Because they'll both fall under that same kind of solo performer idea. Where over the last year and a half, the band and I have started to like create a whole different organic experience where mm. I have a, a wealth of like little riffs, songs, or melodies that I bring to the table. But then we're, we st- we know each other more now. So it's right. kind of speaking to what you're talking about, there is an element of writing to the strengths of each performer now where it's like, all right, here's where we can have the guitar just do something awesome. I know Sean can do something so great there. We have the drums. We have this fill. Jake will take care of that. And, and in a writing process, I'm starting to be able to foresee that more, right. which is a whole new experience for me. And it's awesome. It's like yeah. taking away that whole like, all right, guys, you got to do this, this and this and becoming more of a copacetic cooperative experience. And as a band for us, that that generates a whole different sound. And it's really fun. It's loud and it's it's more energy. And I like that a lot. But it's a lot different in, in, a, in a few different ways. We'll we'll talk. So first, if you could discuss how this band was formed, and then how you transitioned. I mean, because it is the John Lewis band. It's, yes. It's not the John, Jake, Dave, <laughs> you know, band. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, Sean. You're Sean. I knew it. I knew it. I wanted to say Dan, but that that's I knew you. That was wrong. That is me. <laughs> I I apologize, Sean. So how did you find? A transition between okay this is the john lewis band these other dudes are coming in to play my music first what was that like how you guys formed and then finding yourself where you are now where it's much more organic and even yeah. though you're the spark plug you all figure out how to do everything it's you know out of any band out there that's like the name name band it's we're the <laughs> most like all of us are in it together band out there. There's still, but there still has to be like a, some sort of hi- a hierarchy or at least some sort of structure to how things are put together. Otherwise it'll, it'll nothing will ever get done. Mm. So our strength is in that way. I don't think a lot of bands are like that. And every entity, every band has to work in a way that, that specifically suits them. So it's may, may not work for everyone, but for us in particular, it was super <laughs> organic because I, my first two albums were solo, super mm-hmm. solo, taking songs that I had written and just producing them with Dave at the studio. And as we produced... At 1809 yes, Studios. at 1809 right. Studios. Right. Good, good shout out there for you, Dave. And uh, he's super duper. <laughs> and uh, during that process, Dave and I started to, co- started to co-write a little mm-hmm. and definitely co-produce. I. Right. At that point in my music career, or in my mind, I was kind of quitting my solo songwriter stuff, because mm. my Mr. Loop stuff seemed to be doing well. So in my mind, I was like, it's over for, for John Lewis, singer-songwriter. There's no future in that. But then, when I worked with Dave, I realized that letting go of like ownership of some of mm. the things that I had written mm-hmm. allowed them to grow in totally new ways. So it became about letting go and letting other people become involved in the things that I had been working at. 
And all of a sudden, my, my music and the songs that I had worked years on sounded different. They had like new life in so many ways. So, so Dave and I became a battery. And then the next album, Jake Walsh became more involved. Really at the end of those albums, it became more about the three of us working together. And then when we started to do more full band album-oriented stuff, we knew Sean. Also, all just through the same friend group, all mm -hmm. through the same working with the studio in some way. And we just really got along. And we started to more like session musicians. Right. They came in and added things to the songs. But it became clear that if I was able to let go even further, the music was going to become something even more interesting and different. So we work very different than most other bands where it's still like Dave and I co-producing and then all of us as a band performing. But it works really well and it's going to continue to organically change over time. And that's, I think as a band, you have to be really strong at that. The only thing that's going to differentiate between, between you and someone else is consistency. You know, can you yeah. keep going out there year after year and produce something different maybe or just more of the same style music that's our goal, I think, as a band, isn't to make it in any fashion or anything like that. It's just to make stuff together and to continue down that path and see where it goes. If you could kind of put a, a nail on what you would define your sound as as a band, not just in its totality, but starting out and then to where it is now, and then if you could specifically, for John's more ardent listeners, if you could kind of compare and contrast Panic Rock with out to lunch and you sure. talked about the, how the process is different but how is the end result a little different we uh, man i think in the beginning it was it was super like indie folk okay it's really singer songwriter based stuff panic rock became more of like indie rock and still based in folk a lot of acoustic tracks on there still as well um the biggest difference between that out to Lunch and Panic Rock is this new album was written entirely within the last year. Hmm. It, none of these songs are from backlogs, you know, where I came to the table and was like, here's this song, maybe we should do something with this. It was all written after Panic Rock had stopped. We kind of hit a stride at the end of Panic Rock as a band. Yeah. It started off still kind of like the other other albums but as it got to the end it was like guys we can just play this sounds good let's do this yeah and we barely got a secret track onto panic rock that is yeah. that it's like we barely got it onto the disc makers order and so this album continues that path to more like rock americana right and it gets a little bit weirder and there's more there's more of all of us there's a lot more harmonies we're all singing yeah. All of us have really interesting, intricate parts. It's not so much like, all right, you put, play this, it's over. It was, it was much more organic. You know, the, the, the cover actually seems to represent this a little bit. Everyone's got a different color. I, I, would, yeah. I would assume you're the astronaut with space rays coming out. I mean, it doesn't, well, it doesn't have the trademark mole. I, no, I would, it doesn't. I would, I would presume it's you. It's under the mask. Yeah. Right. Um, but... So this is actually an interesting uh, um, coalescence of everything, because I'm going to give another shout-out to Jake Walsh and Total Yuppies. This was a group that he started. Yeah. I know that Dave uh, is is the man at 1809 Studios. Definitely. So th these everyone's bringing in something new. Yeah. This is a lot... That is a lot to happen for a band in, you know, in between a year yeah. and two releases. And if maybe you could speak... To how, just not too much, but individually, 
how Jake's experience now is being the front man and being a writer too, and how Dave's increased experience working with studios and other people and what Sean brings to the table. What can the audience specifically listen to for those people's new experiences in this album? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, it's, and Jake, and speaking to Jake, about Jake, um, him and I have known each other for a really long time before we were either of us front mans of anything. We just worked together like a nine to five sales job. But it was always like our connection of like, someday, man, you and I, we're never going to give up. You know, <laughs> we're going to leave this place and we're going to dance merrily into the sunset. Right. And uh, after we both left that job, yeah. we kind of lost track of each other. We didn't talk for maybe like eight months to a year. But then it was like, I contacted him and was like, dude, I'm still out here. I'm still doing it. I still love you. We need to continue this together. And so he got on board and started to, to play around with us and, and to drum with us. And then when he started his new frontman project with Total Yuppies, it's, it's just another exercise in a different arena. You know, so for him, he got a chance to do what I do, which is take the songs that he wrote, that he loves, and turn them into a full band element. Um, but when he plays with us, he's still part of our our thing. You know, they, they're totally different entities, which is pretty respectful of him and hard to do. You yeah. know, it's hard to it's hard to play those different roles, but he is exceptional at doing that. So, you know, he's he feels more free now when you listen to this album. There's a lot of really interesting drum fills and you know, he's really the heartbeat of the band. Mm -hmm. Where Dave is his strength and his strength here as well as with so many other people he's worked with is producing mm -hmm. and it's not just like all right you sound good it's like he has such a clear idea as to where things should go the more freedom you give to him it's just like all of a sudden there's ideas springing out everywhere and you can just just jump on for the ride so in the terms of production elements there's like some really interesting noise candy if you put on headphones and you listen there's there's really inter intricate like subtle things happening mm -hmm. which is really cool and and you can tell that none of the songs would be the same without sean you know there's a really specific voice that sean has with his guitar it's yeah. just like really hard riffs that are just totally like put that mean face on put like, that mean yeah. face on which is what we need we need we're just a bunch of buttery little boys you know <laughs> sean comes in and he's just like <laughs> and uh and that balance uh, that you'll hear that you'll really hear that balance and it's really cool it's yeah. i didn't expect it to ever be as cool as it is, and it really is awesome. Well, John, I think that's about all the time uh, we have today. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. One one more time, yes. the sales pitch. This is the John Lewis Band releasing their newest six-track EP, Out to Lunch. John is doing a myriad of things before the digital release, mainly on iTunes and Spotify, which is coming out the 10th. But before that, he's having a listening party June 3rd with the John Lewis Band and a couple other bands. And he's having a pre-release show on the 9th. So if you want more details, just check the link below. We'll have that all for you. The link down the, there. Uh, the link down there. John, <laughs> appreciate it, man. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for coming and, and hanging out in my basement. My pleasure. Yeah. Take care. Thank you. Forever wander our separate ways Always remember those old...